Mostly Harmless is brought to you in part by Dink. D-I-N-K. Denver's Independent Comic and Arts Expo. It's coming to Denver March 25th and 26th to the Sherman Street Event Center. Dink, of course, is Denver's newest fandom experience and is brought to you by the creators of the Denver Comic Con. It is a fun, first-class expo with an emphasis on the spirit and community of the independent comics world. The focus is on furthering the impact and cultural relevance of the comics, graphic novels, zines, publishers, and most importantly, the fans who make up this fantastic community. Now, not only is Dink bringing you the finest in independent comics entertainment, Dink will be given back to you and the community by working with nonprofit organizations such as Denver's Drink and Draw, Love Hope Strength Foundation, and many, many more. Already confirmed guests for this inaugural Dink Expo are guys such as Dennis Kitchen, the founder of Kitchen Sink Press. We got former Mostly Harmless podcast guest and Westward contributor Noah Van Skyber. Not to mention they will have guys like uh, New York Times bestselling graphic novelist Nate Powell. Eisner Award winner Jim Rugg, critically acclaimed cartoonist Julia Wirtz, and then you got independent favorites like Alex Robinson, Amy Reeder, who's a Denver native, and then uh, Mike Dawson. There's so many more guests to be announced for this fantastic event. I've seen the guest list, buddies. There's some cool people coming up. So for more information on Dink, you got to say it right, Dink, Dink, D-I-N-K, please visit DinkDenver.com. Looking forward to it, buddies. We couldn't do this event without you. We see you there, March 25th and 26th at the Sherman Street Event Center. All right, cue the theme song. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mostly Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. All right, buddies, boy, oh boy, do I have a special episode for you today? Because you see, uh, a couple weeks ago, I traveled all the way to Chicago, Illinois, to sit down and drink beers with two members, one of my all-time favorite 1990s skate punk bands. Today, we are hanging out, and we are drinking beers with none other than Mr. Dan Precision and Dennis Buckley of 88 Fingers Louie. Holy shit. You see, I traveled to Chicago to see the loved ones play two sold-out shows at the Cobra Lounge. I'd already interviewed Dave Haas, so I decided instead of uh, you know beating a dead horse, I would see who else was out and about in Chicago and see who else I could interview. I had previously met Dennis backstage at uh, Riot Fest Denver. We did a short but sweet video interview for NewNoiseMagazine.com. Uh, that video was filmed in the middle of a super, super loud Iggy Pop set. But uh, me and Dennis hit it off. We had a really good chat. And I knew that when I eventually made it through Chicago, I wanted to hang out and I wanted to talk to Dennis again. And this time around, he brought Mr. Dan Precision with him. And, uh, you know, we had, we had hit it off so well when we hung out at Simon's in Chicago that uh, we really didn't know when to stop. I You know, I tried to stop the interview 
at about an hour, but we ended up hanging out and we ended up chatting for close to three, three and a half hours uh, until Dan's wife started calling and saying, honey, it's time to come home. <laughs> um, we only have about two hours of that recorded and uh, edited down. It's somewhere around a hundred minutes. Now, instead of putting up just, I, we even talk about it in the interview. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to cut it up. I'm not going to cut it up. But then you listen back and you realize how long 100 minutes is. So we, we're going to go ahead and we're going to split this up into two episodes. This episode is going up on Wednesday, uh, February 25th. The next one will be going up on Monday, Monday, February 29th. I've already got it edited together. I don't have much to do, so it's going to happen. All right, buddies, so we'll get it up as soon as I can. Um, now, before we get into this interview... I've got to let you know that I, I was under the weather. I felt like hot garbage the whole time I was in Chicago. Something I was some mighty fine jet lag and uh, reverse altitude sickness. I don't know. I don't know what the hell was going on. But I felt off my game when it came to the chats that I had that weekend. But Dennis and Dan, they it was so much fun hanging out and drinking beers with these guys and hearing their stories that uh, this they they really made it easy for me being sick and uh, under the weather. I'm still fighting off that sickness, and hopefully we'll get over it soon. But I can't wait to hang out with these mighty fine gentlemen once again when they come through Denver uh, as a par- in June as a part of the newest stop on the punk rock bowling train. Uh, 88 Fingers Louie are going to be playing on Friday, June 3rd in Denver, the Summit Music Hall, with none other than one of my uh, very other favorite bands of all time, Mill and Colin. Not to mention Denver Legends, Love Me Destroyer. Other bands that we can include the Buzzcocks, the Briefs, Flag, featuring, you know, Keith Morris, uh, Bill Stevenson, Stephen Egerton, Chuck Dukowski playing Black Flag songs. It's so good. I can't wait to see it. Uh, they got Youth Brigade. They've got the Briefs. I uh, already said the Briefs. Uh, they got so many more bands. Visit punkrockbowling.com for more information. And uh, super special thanks to our sponsors at Dink Denver. Uh, that's Denver's newest comic expo and uh, our good buddies over at Ratio Beerworks for making Mostly Harmless possible. We couldn't do it without them this week, especially because I'm completely broke from the Chicago trip. Uh, before we get into the first part of this chat with Dennis and Dan, let's listen to an old favorite of mine uh, from 88 Fingers Louie. Uh, it's a perfect episode to start this off with because today we're talking about the band getting back together. Uh, it's from the record, Back on the Streets. came out in 1999. Uh, This is one of my favorite songs of the late 90s. This is Tomorrow Starts Today. Let's take a listen. We're putting the band back together.
where we're seated and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it sounds good. And like, you know, you can still hear the music, but I kind of like it because well, it adds to that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to put an underling theme music. Well, and you know, and, 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 and again, like I think of it like this is three dudes sitting at the bar drinking. Yep. And chatting, getting to know each other. It's like a first date. Getting to know. Sorry. <laughs> since, I, since I started doing the podcast, I've become a better first date. Because yeah. I'm just better at... Talking, I'm yeah. still not great at it, but I'm better No one's at ever it. good at it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I'm, I'm better at going like, hey, so tell me about uh, tell me about a time in your life when blah, 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 <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's uh, like asking uh, Zodiac Science, it's like, tell me the first time you read your first book and what it was like to finish that first book. <laughs> How did you get so many dates? I didn't. <laughs> Got a lot of looks. Mm-hmm. A lot of people spitting at me. That happened. Yeah. Still happens. Alright, so I guess we're rolling. Cool. All right. So I'm hanging out at Simon's with Dennis and Dan from 88 Fingers Louie. What's up, guys? Hey, hey. What's going Not on, dude? much, man. Just uh, having some drinks. Oh, yeah. Dennis, it's good to see you again. I saw you at Ride Fest Denver. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're not uh, trying to fight over Iggy Pop. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, surprisingly, though, that video, like, it, it came out okay oh, other yeah. than us yelling at each other. Right. Uh, you know, and, and God bless those guys. At least they gave us a press tip this year. Normally, like, it's a little bit better placement than the year before, but it's like, it's so hard to talk to people back there. Yeah, I bet. But, uh, we made it through. Yeah, you, we did. You didn't fall asleep before this time? No. I had to wake you up last time in case you forgot. I just wanted to rub that in. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After we were done playing, oh, I sat in the thing and fell asleep. Fell asleep. Yeah. What, what thing is that? The, oh, the Riot Fest bed. The Riot Fest bed. That we <laughs> asked for on a writer. Oh, the one you write about in your songs about when you're getting laid? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll hear about that. Great. Great. I want to hear about it. No, it already passed. You missed it. You You'll hear it. it. Oh, yeah. It was caught on. <laughs> sorry. We were just caught on mic before it started. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. It was recording, too. So I'll definitely go back and listen. <laughs> we know. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Dennis, you picked this place. We were, we were talking about doing it at the Ginger Ginger Man. The G Man, it's called. G Man, yeah. 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 Um, but you chose. Why the? Well, I I, I inquired in the G Man because uh, I'm definitely more familiar with that. But yeah. I figured the music would be super loud. And uh, my buddy Keith is uh, one of the bartenders here at Simon's, and uh, I just kind of casually asked him if uh, what he what he think of, would this be a good place to sit down. Have nice. a couple beers and talk, and he said uh, it's actually perfect, and he'd work it out. So yeah, I love this. This is the, this is such a cool place. This I was telling Dan, uh, this jukebox is known as one of the top jukeboxes, if not the top jukebox in Chicago. Oh. Uh, selection wise, my buddy Keith is a complete obsessive about music, so he's he's in charge of all this stuff. What are the parameters to get best jukebox in yeah, Chicago? I was going to say. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's kind of subjective. I, I hear good things about G-Man's jukebox G-Man's got too. a good jukebox too. I, it's all about crazy metrics they yeah. they measure. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I know he made it on NPR talking about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, it's a cool place. It's nice and chill. It is. You probably, like, I, I'm sure you guys run into everyone everywhere. Yeah, um, we do. So I bet we won't run into anybody awkwardly walking up to the table like, Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> no, this, Not but, in this place. I've uh, never been here before, so. Last time I was here, which is a while ago, um, uh, Brendan Kelly will, this is this is his hood, so he's, we actually might very well see him. Or okay, hear him good. as he 
stumbles in the bar. <laughs> I might chat with him this weekend about the Falcon record. It's still in the... It, it, I probably won't know until we're both drunk backstage yeah. somewhere talking By the about way, it. we're supposed to interview right now. Shit. <laughs> that sounds about right. The only time I've ever interviewed Brendan, we were both shit-faced. It was great. Yeah. He couldn't play the show that night because of me. Nice. Really? Nobody can see the thumbs up. Well, he played the show, but he played it in that Brendan Kelly sort of oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he probably shouldn't have been playing. Gotcha. <laughs> oh. Uh, so I didn't, so, you know, Dennis, we met before at Riot Fest, yeah. and we had such an easy, it was so easy to talk to you. Um, I, as you can see, you two can see, I have all these notes, but I don't really have a plan for today. I just I just knew that the three of us would get together and probably hit it off pretty well and be easy, free-flowing chat. Yeah. Um, Dan, where are you living now? You had to drive in for this. Uh, I just, I live uh, out in a suburb just west of Chicago. It's yeah. like... Literally like five minutes outside of the border. Cool. So uh, it's cool. Been there for Jesus nine years. No, uh, well, yeah, eight different. year, eight or nine years oh, now. Cool. Yeah. Um, I just like whenever I'm in Chicago, I don't, I don't drive. I don't drive pretty much. Period. Just because I don't have a car. But <laughs> how, how, traffic bad here? Is it hard to get? It's it everywhere? depends. There's some. Yeah. It's shitty most of the time. There's like really. Yeah. Like maybe three or four in the morning, you might be lucky and it'll be smooth. But o- right. overall, it's pretty crappy. And now that I'm old and not up at those hours, uh, it's yeah. That's why so I try to stay home as much as possible. Right. Well, well, thanks for making the what? Oh yeah, dude. Forty no minute drive in. Yeah, forty. Chat 40. with me. It's all good. But one of the one of the main. I feel things. like a rock star, you know. I got I got to take yeah. advantage. Hell yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it's funny because like I, I go through, I try to read every interview I can with the artist before I chat with them. So I'm asking things that not everybody else has asked them. Yes. And there aren't that many interviews with you guys no, no on one, the internet anymore. No, right, because they're all... No one wants to days. talk to us. That's like today, I'm like, hey, mom. Hey, mom, I, I'm having an interview. <laughs> Check it out, mom. No, it's, it, yeah, we don't we do not do that many. <laughs> and uh, I know you talked with Ryan from Anxious and Angry. Yeah. And no. I purposely didn't listen to that because if I did, I would be like, ah, I won't talk about that then. Ah, well, so far, you've asked all the same questions. Probably. Yeah, actually like, verbatim. I'm, I'm pretty sure Ryan, we, me and Ryan have never talked about this. I harassed him for years to get him on mine and still haven't. Yeah. And uh, he's very slowly surpassing my number, not, not not listener numbers, because out the gate he had huge numbers. And this is so boring for the audience at home. But uh, <laughs> uh, at it. I, what, I, what I was going to say is I'm pretty sure the reason he started Anxious and Angry is very similar to the story I was telling you earlier. He listened to this and goes, oh, I can do that way better. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? He, he's fucking great at it. Um, I, I was trying to harass him to see if he'd come hang out this weekend, but I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's, uh, they're getting ready to move back moving, up here. They're moving close to where I live, probably yeah. like 15 minutes away. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're uh, what, south, uh, south, right? No, what? What do you mean? Where they are there now? Where? No, we're, we're uh... Well, I don't want to say it. Or, I never like saying cities because... That city that they are currently living in is south of here. No, it's west. Way the fuck west. Sorry. Okay. Sorry about the swearing. Let's just... Oh, there. Sorry, <laughs> <away>. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Sorry, Let's... Mom. So what else about anxious and angry do we... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's... he's uh, he's, They're excited. They're, uh, him and his girlfriend are moving up uh, real close to Dana um, in the next couple months. And uh, things are kind of... I think they're kind of in a holding pattern, kind of waiting to figure out where they're going to move. So I think... They're excited. I know a lot of uh, a lot of our mutual friends are excited to keep them and yeah. keep them in state. One of these days, I'm gonna get I'm gonna corner them and we're gonna oh, we're gonna hash hard. it out. It won't be hard. It used to be hard though, but now he actually emailed. Nobody cares about this, but he emailed <laughs> me and was like, "Hey man, I didn't know what the fuck you were doing when you said podcast earlier." 
now I'm doing one. Now I'd love the Peter show. So anyway, enough about cool. that. Cool. Enough about that. I don't know why. Again, this is less of an interview, more three dudes <laughs> chatting around a microphone. Um, so I grew up in the middle. I, I grew up in North Louisiana. A little town called Shreveport. Oh, I'm sure. I've actually, did we ever play Shreveport? I we doubt did. it. Um, there was a booking Baton agent. Baton Rouge I played, but not with 88. That was there, was, there was a booking agent out of Shreveport that booked a bunch of bands back in the day. Her name was Mary Catherine. Um, she did the Nobodies. That's uh, where we yep, I, And I think she may have booked us at Jimmy's in New Orleans. Probably. That's that's I remember uh, that place. She was part I, of the co-booker of the uh, the tour that we did with Nobody. I think so. Yeah, maybe. And she was a weird. She was a weird. Uh, nobody knows whatever happened to her. Oh, wow. I never met her. I only know her legend from having grown up there. Oh, okay. And um, but that's how a lot of the excuse uh, the language older punk rock guys like yourselves. <laughs> Bastard. I mean, you guys are ten years older than me. You've already rubbed no. it in. That's not rubbing it in. Seven to eight. That's a. Uh, Sad truth. Sadly, uh, <laughs> revealing our ages. <laughs> but uh, well, so more to the point, I've been I've been watching a lot of music documentaries about Chicago leading up to my trip here. Um, I watched uh, We Weren't There. Mm-hmm. I watched the Naked Ray Gun uh, reunion. The Warport Godspeed you make. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one, yeah. which is great, which you guys were in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did the audio. Yeah, not yeah, yeah, exactly. For, not for the not for the the actual show, not. Uh, not the interview stuff. But still, you, you did the live stuff for that uh, yeah. documentary. And then I watched the Sound Cities um, mm-hmm. Chicago episode. So Chicago is like heavily on my mind as this great place. And then I grew up in this little sleepy town of Shreveport, Louisiana. The only thing we really had a claim to fame was Louisiana Hayride when we were like, you know, Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, okay. Elvis cut their teeth on the Louisiana yeah. Hayride in the like, Long before I was, my parents were a twinkle in anyone's eyes. Right. And then, like, Kenny Wayne Shepherd came from Shreveport, Louisiana, yeah. if you know that guy. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> but you guys come from Chicago, where there's this legacy of, like, Chess Records, Naked Ray Gun, um, got so many bands that I, I can't believe. Here, I have them all written down. Tell the list. <laughs> Tell the list to the listeners. But, you know, uh, but still, so what was it like? Are you guys both from Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. What was was it like growing? Oh, here we go. Uh, the subvert strike under. Strike under, yes. Um, Jesus Christ! I wish I'd written down more names. Well, we listen. I know I listen to bands like the Volpal Stiffs and Screeching Weasel. Yeah, yeah. Um, Articles of Faith. Articles of Faith. Uh, yeah, it was actually really not looking back on it because when you're growing up, it's just that's your life. You're in right. it. Yeah. And looking back on it, I think we were really lucky to have such such some awesome bands to like watch and want to model because it's like, hey, we want to play music. This is what we want to do. Yeah. So uh, it was a, I think it was a good starting point for us. Yeah, na- Naked Raygun. If it wasn't yeah. specifically for Naked Raygun, uh, we'd have far less good music in Chicago. Yeah. I don't think we. I don't think you'd even see a sliver of the bands that you do now. If Naked Reagan wasn't a, a guiding a guiding influence over the years. I mean, I would go see them by myself because I like some of my friends. I had a friend that didn't. I just stopped talking with, and I'm like, I'm not gonna stop going to these shows. I want to see them. I'm going. Yeah. So I'm like 17 years old, just going to shows by myself. I'm like, fuck it, you know. Yeah. It's pretty liberating to go to a show by yourself too, because yeah. that's I to well, I'll get to that Chicago story in a minute. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I've made some of my best friends going to shows by myself and just being like you look like you'd be somebody I talk to 
I think it's different when you're older. When you're 17 yeah. and you're and me, I, I still remember a story going into McGregor's to see Screeching Weasel, and I'd just seen uh, Naked Raygun, so I was wearing an Understand shirt. So here I'm 17, and these like fucking 24 year olds roll up on me and they're like, Naked Raygun fucking sucks. You know, and there's like six of these dudes, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like well, that's your opinion. That's all I can say. So I'm like, what the hell do I say? I'm gonna get my I know ass you are, kicked. But what about yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I'm glad I kept listening to them. Um, and, and one of my favorite moments in the documentary was when you were talking about your mom. Oh, God. Your parents yep. showed up. Yep. To, that <laughs> to was a, a naked rig on show. Yep. <laughs> That's because, again, I was like 17. I went by myself. They didn't know that the Riv was a bad area. Like, they didn't know where I was. And then I told them earlier on. And obviously, this is before cell phones. And, uh, yeah, I'm in the show watching. And I feel a tap on my shoulder. And, again, at 17, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just watching the show. Turn around, it's my mom in a dress. I'm like, what the hell? How did you get in here? Did, did your mom not normally wear dresses? Uh, well, this was... Uh, no, the reason I say that is because she went out with my dad to, like, some dinner thing where he worked. And so they were already in the city. And that's why she heard from someone there, like, oh, the Riv's in a really bad area. Oh, I wouldn't God. trust that. So she convinced my dad to drive to the Riv. And she came out and talked her way into the show without having to pay. Well, Say, my son's yeah. in here. So, yeah, that's what was weird, because just seeing her dressed up and tabbing on my shoulder. And if so. you ever met Dan's mom, oh my God. you could totally see it happening. Yeah, because she's awesome. Because she, she, A, she's a charmer, and B, she uh, she will talk, 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 and not let you get a word in edgewise until she's done saying what she has to say. She has, I wondered where I got that from. Yes. <laughs> Stubborn asshole. I mean, not, not you, Harriet, right? Harriet. Yeah, not you, Harriet. Your asshole son. <laughs> so, was your mom supportive of the music and whatnot back then? No. No. <laughs> I hate to say. It. I shouldn't say she wasn't supportive, but she was just like, "What are you doing? When are you going to go back to school?" Because I was planning to go to college to be a mechanical engineer, and I'm like, oh, I'm all set, and did awesome in high school, and I'm like, what am I going to school for? I don't want to do this. I want to play in a band, so I always had to hear that. Even when we came back, I mean, it was much later, but when we came back from tours, and I'm like, mom, look, I got money, I got paid, and she's like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, you know? going back to school? It's not a real exactly. job. It's not a real job. How does yeah. she feel now? Probably the same because now I don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. The more things change, the more they stay exactly. the same. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and and so like so for me, I'm I grew up in Louisiana, in my punk rock education, like I discovered it through skate videos. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. more importantly, I was a BMX kid, so I discovered it through oh. BMX videos. A okay. uh, little little more off the beaten path. Yeah. And then I uh, places like Epitaph and Fat and Hopeless were kind enough to advertise in the B struggling BMX magazines I was reading. Yeah. I was like, I can I can buy a CD with 20 songs for $5? Right? That's punk rock? Yeah. Okay, and that's, that's of course, how you guys came into my, my life and existence but through those skate, uh, BMX and skate videos yeah. and those compilations. But I had to learn about punk rock through like zines, pre-internet. Yeah. And like, but you guys were here in the city experiencing something completely different firsthand. What, were, what was it like growing up in the Chicago scene and world? Um, well, certainly, you know, my, my transition from, you know, radio rock, as I used to call it, uh, into, you know, skateboarding and punk rock was pretty... And, and we all had it. I listened oh, yeah. to Korn and Deftones before I yeah. got into punk. I still know. listen to Deftones. I can't say that... Oh, well, I can't say enough good... Uh, enough, enough bad things about Korn, but... Uh, <laughs> 
but you know, I was a I was a kid uh, listening to Genesis and Journey, and you know, I was feeling really cutting edge. I might throw some REM on, uh, <laughs> but um, it honestly it came to you know, mom by me and my brothers our first skateboards. All of a sudden, we're picking up Thrasher magazines, and we're doing the same thing that you yeah. do with your BMX magazines. You start looking at. Okay, these guys have an offensive name. We're yeah. gonna get that. I bought I bought a Crucifix record because I was like, that name sounds vulgar. I'm gonna pick it up. Uh, I didn't know what a Circle Jerk was, but I bought Circle Jerks records based on their logo and their and their mascot. Um, you know, and, and, and from that, you just get the bigger bands, and then you discover Naked Raygun, and I don't remember what my I probably had a friend in high school that that turned me on to them, and we started going to shows then, but. Uh, you know, we viewed, at least I did, and I'm sure Dan could probably agree, I viewed Naked Reagan as like a national act. I didn't necessarily consider them a Chicago act. Um, they were like, they were like what, you know, Smashing Pumpkins would have turned into, and at least right. in my eyes. Like, you know, this band's, you know, representing Chicago, like, you know, our mascot, so to speak. Um, but it was through, uh, it was through going to Reagan shows and meeting other people that I realized there's bands smaller than Naked Reagan that are that are just as good. Well, maybe not just as good, but you know, definitely there's a whole subculture on top of it or underneath that subculture. Um, and it was through that where, you know, I'm, uh, places like McGregor's that Dan talked about. That's where I met Joe and, and subsequently Dan and and the Bullweevils guys and the rest of the '88 guys. It was it was me not going with necessarily with anybody. I would go to shows by myself because I heard, you know, I couldn't get anybody. To, to go to a screeching weasel show with me because they're like that band sounds offensive. We don't want to, we don't want to leave uh, Edison Park or whatever how part of Chicago it was. Um, so it was, yeah, it was just going to shows by myself and uh, I, I just I wouldn't necessarily say I had the courage to walk up to people to talk to them, but you know back then we're talking 90, 91, 92, maybe even in, you know end of ninety. You know people were cool based on their wardrobe. I know it sounds superficial, but if you're wearing a oh. If you're wearing a naked Reagan shirt to a McGregor show and you see somebody that's wearing a, you know, Green Day, uh, you know, Kerplunk era or whatever, you're like, oh shit, this guy knows what he's, you know, uh, knows what he's talking about. Even better is when the girls wore cool punk rock t-shirts yeah. because it was like, you got an automatic topic of conversation to start. And, and, and in Louisiana, it was very much the same way. It wasn't, it, it was a statement, but it was also a calling card to wear those shirts. Because, yep. like, I can't tell you how many kids I walked up to in the mall. I was like, you like the Misfits? You like Noah Bex? Yeah. You yeah. know who they are? Yeah. Can yeah. we be friends? <laughs> right. You know? And, 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 like, you know, I, my day job now is I'm a supervisor at Whole Foods. And when I'm not wearing plaid like I am right now, I'm, I'm trying to wear a band T-shirt. And it's like, oh, man, I used to listen to that band when I was younger. And I'm like, used to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hate when I hear that. It. Yep. We get that a lot about 88. Yeah. Well, I'll hear a lot of people be like, man, you guys are like my soundtrack in high school. I'm like, dude, you're, well, you're, you're out of college and have a kid now. Maybe it's time to listen to us again. <laughs> well, the, it's, it's funny because I think about the same thing. I listen to so much of the old music that I grew up on, and I love it. And me as a record producer and an engineer, I'm like, I really need to listen to newer stuff to make sure I'm keeping current. And I do once in a while, but it's like, nothing gives me that spark like it used to when I was younger and again that's probably partially because of age you hear experience you hear a lot more um and then a lot of bands are just rehashing old shit yeah you know that's another thing or they're just there's something about it that they don't have that like I get like I said that spark that'll like catch my ear has there been anything lately that catch your ear 
uh, La Armada. I like those guys a lot. We just played with them. They're um, they're um, um, I don't know how would you describe that. Let me put it to you this way. They're, they were originally from the Dominican Republic. Oh, okay. That's where go. they were born and lived. And, and they, they moved to Chicago probably four or five years ago, something around there. A few years ago, yeah. And um, just awesome guys and great music. And so finally, I've been trying to get them on shows, but obviously 88 doesn't play like all the time. So I talked to Dennis and stuff. I'm like, hey, we're, we got a show at the Double Door. Let's, can we get them on? Yeah. And everyone was cool with it. So we got them. I'm so glad we played with them because yeah. they're a great band. Yeah, they're, uh, they're great. They're... they're Hard Honestly, hardcore, I, I, I come up, I come up thrash band. Yeah, thrash band, but they've got like some good, um, um, some good riffs. Yeah, uh, some technicality to them. That's something that always caught my ear with bands mm-hmm. is if they had a little bit of. They sound like uh, Queens are actually totally. <laughs> that's a little different. <laughs> Speaking of old times. Um, I'm uh, I'm very very partial to Meatwave. I've uh, oh yeah, I've been a fan of Meatwave since. Uh, since I heard their demo four years ago, whatever it was, five years ago, um, and uh, we played a, we never played like directly with them, but we shared a stage on a festival. Riot Fest, remember they were playing Denver. Yeah, they played Riot Fest Denver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm thinking about uh, Denver Fest in Milwaukee. They played that. Oh yeah, that's right. But I don't think we saw them because we no, got there late. We got there too late. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, I I play the shit out of those guys. They're probably my. My new favorite local band for sure. And shameless plug, I'm doing uh, Ratio Beer Works in Denver. We're yeah. doing a, uh, this should be posted by that time that we do it. We're doing, they're going to do a lounge session at the Ratio Beer Works tap room in uh, Denver on February 19th, I believe is the day they're playing. So that's cool. Oh, they're, oh. they're playing it? Yeah, they're going to. Oh, nice. They're, it, it's kind of like a uh, meet and greet. They're like, we don't do acoustic shows, but we'll come in, we'll play uh, like a quieter lounge acts show for you guys. I'm talking about myself way too much here, but uh, we took the idea of doing like the, the meet and greet at the record store. Yeah. And then the uh, acoustic sessions YouTube page that everybody does mm-hmm. and threw it in a brewery with beer and uh, nice. it's gone over really well. Yeah. And when you guys are in Denver, if you guys want to do something similar, we'll talk about that later. Since you guys are going to be playing in Denver soon, we are. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll be playing in Denver. Uh, do you know that date? Dave? It is June. Friday, June third. Friday, June third. Supporting yes. Mill and Colin, which is pretty awesome, awesome over at the the Summit it's like Summit a, Music Hall. It's punk rock bowling, but it's almost like Rat Fest Mini. Yeah, yeah. They're just doing the. <laughs> you know, club. you know what's funny is he, uh, you know, he had reached out to to Mark Stern and. Uh, um, Mark said, "Hey, you guys want to play this Mill and Colin show?" I didn't realize it was punk rock bowling. I just, I just assumed he was working with Soda Jerk, and they were just gonna yeah. do a co, a co-booking um, bill. And then it was like, it might have been the morning, you know, the hours leading up to actually posting it, where it kind of kicked in. I'm like, oh no, they have got three punk rock bowlings now. They've got Vegas, yeah. Denver. Well, but it's different because there's no festival. Right in Denver, there's no like outdoor so. festival. It's no. just like oh, it's just it, no. It's a Thursday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, club yeah. show. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's only one club. It's not like all over the place. Like Vegas has their That's club true. shows, so it's a little different. But the same premise, more or less. It'll, it, it'll be. I think it's just the name too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like Riot Fest. You know, you're gonna you're gonna oh, start right. expanding and playing. You know, Riot Fest presents shows that are aren't it's necessarily Warped Fest. Tour for adults. There you go. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> okay, but I want to I want to keep talking about Chicago and your youth, which you guys probably talk about way too much. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm done with that. Um, 
So, yeah, so, okay, Shreveport, Louisiana, that's where I grew up, it sucked. <laughs> then for whatever reason, I lived in Colorado Springs for several years, but, which was slightly better. I used to work for JJ, nobody Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, nobody's yeah. from yeah. there, yeah. I, wor I worked at his bar for That's called, like, the 515? Uh, triple Nickel. Triple five. Okay, that's why he says five. Yeah, five, yeah. Five. five, five, five. I got the tattoo. Well, is, do, does he still have that bar? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, he offered me a job. I'm thinking about quitting the band. It's nice. good, man. Yeah, maybe we can make some money. Yeah. We'll talk about that off the mic. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm watching all these Chicago documentaries, and I'm seeing, I'm hearing all these great Chicago stories from all these great Chicago musicians, and of course, because I discovered you guys at such a young age for myself, I think of you guys as great Chicago musicians. Well, thanks. Thanks. What is uh, what are some of your favorite places that are still around today? That like for guys like me who are just coming to Chicago, mm -hmm. who don't make it here too often, where, where should I go? Where should I go hang out? And what fond memories do you have there? God, that's tough. It is tough. I, it's, it, I, I, sound, I, I mean, sound like an old guy, but things have changed so much, and obviously yeah. they always do. Yeah. And um, gentrification is real. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, Denver is in the midst of it really badly right now. And walking around here, I can see the remnants of it here too as well. Well, you guys got the combination of gentrification and then pot everywhere. Yeah. And white people everywhere. Yeah. White, that's white boy dreads all over the place. I, dude, that's, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, there were places I used to frequent and that's another yeah. thing that's hard to say. Okay, like, I used to go to Exit a lot. Like that place. It was cool. They had great music. You'd get some drinks and have a good time. Yep. And again, they had a, for a long time, they had a, a night called Fat Tuesday. So they'd all only play like Fat Record stuff and Epitaph and things of that nature. Um, but of course, that ended. Mm -hmm. So then they start doing other nights and then you stop going there as often. And it, yeah. it, it's just, you know, and then I, again, you know, I'm like with my girl and we're like, hey, you know, we haven't been at Exit. We actually met at Exit 11 years ago now. <laughs> and uh, we're, I'm like, hey, you know, we should go there. This was like four years ago. Yeah. We go there and we're like, wow, this is lame. Like, it's just not the same. And again, I don't want to sound like the jaded old dude who goes yeah. to places and be like, oh, this sucks. Because I'm sure all the young people are like, who's this fuck? You know, who's coming yeah. this, this old graying guy. Some gray beard. But, um, Get out of our car. I don't know, man. I'm trying to think. What are some other places that are still cool? Well, obviously, music venues. Are, Certain still music venues, but even even those are dropping off. I mean, yeah. I, I uh, you know, um, like many of us of our age, I was a very, um, I was a frequent visitor to the fireside even when yeah. we were yeah. playing, um, just because I got friendly enough with the people there that I, did, I wouldn't have, even have to know what band was playing because they have bands seriously seven days a week and it would just be like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink for next to nothing and then maybe I'll listen to a, a song or two and, um, you know, that. That was pretty much most of you know 1998, part of 1999 for me. And uh, but you know, Fireside really stopped. It's, this heyday really stopped. What 2000? 2000? 2000, 2001, something yeah. like that. Um, but and it's they, coming back, back a couple times. It has. Maybe. It's, it's, weird, it's not the same. And it's not. It, and again, not to you know, like Dan was saying, not to make it sound super old. But I went in there to go see a show um, with my girlfriend. And this is this is probably going back almost five years now, um, and part of the charm of the fireside back then was it was scummy. It had character. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a bowling alley, but it didn't have people bowling. Yeah, yeah. It was predominantly had, a, a, a venue, and secondly, a bowling alley. Bowling alley. More more like tertiary bowling alley. Cause it was yeah. so far back. Exactly. But you walk in there now, and, and and I get it. You know, the owner, the owner uh, was probably tired of you know insurance problems and lawsuits and whatever and. You know, uh, every every uh, every period of time has its peaks and valleys, and you know, probably local 
local punk rock or whatever probably took a little bit of a nosedive in the in the uh, early 2000s, and they weren't seeing the money that they were making uh, just a couple of years before that. So they stopped doing shows. But you go there now, and yeah, you might have a band play, but everything's so clean. The, yeah. the bar actually looks like a bar that you would, oh, no. yeah, and it's you would want to bring bands, your parents to. Usually, yeah. like no nothing that's edgy at all. Yeah. Okay, like okay, Double Door is a place that has been going on for a very long time, and they've been having some awesome shows, ranging from rock to punk to whatever. Yeah. Um, and now we're hearing stories that they might be shutting down because the owners. Yeah, it's been going on for yeah. years, but it seems like it's really coming to a head right now. Yeah. That whole area of Chicago, this this part of Chicago called Wicker Park. It's it went from. I, I started going to Wicker Park just as a transition from being a shitty neighborhood to a to a decent neighborhood. And then over the years, it went from a decent neighborhood to a super trendy neighborhood. And now it's at the point where not only is it trendy, but it's expensive trendy. Yeah. And, you know, the median, uh, you know, household income to even probably afford a, uh, an apartment in that place is, you know, you probably got to make 50, 60 grand to afford at something least, down there. Man, yeah. At least. So, Double Door trying to shut down and open up something else look i think condos they want to open up yeah. or something of course you know and that's yeah, that's the sad thing music venues are getting it's like been a slow process where they've been getting shut down and you know well it and you know watching the documentaries it's apparently been happening the whole time oh yeah yeah everything's been happening like no yeah. chicago for as great a music scene as it is doesn't like music no that's the thing i think we do it's just hard like dealing with the politicians yeah. Um, well, yep. there's what Chop Shop is somewhat new, and they're pretty in good. the same area, Wicker Park. Yeah, but um, even, but even then, they, you know, they're, they're going to have to start figuring out what type of shows to book there because I can't see. Um, I don't know that they're coming out in the black every show. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. I think that uh, who knows? You know. Okay, so. We're bummer city right now. Talking yeah. about the shitty things. Yeah, great. Have but, another drink. So what? And we could. Um, no, I'm fine. But what, what? What? You know, you guys pretty much grew up here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I got the fuck out of my hometown as soon as I could. What kept you guys here in this area in these in these neighborhoods? Well, Desperation? No. 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 I think a lot of it is uh, for me, obviously, family and stuff, and just the fact that even I, mean, I got away from my family scene, as soon as I could. Oh uh, well, there you go. <laughs> no. No matter Sorry, what. Man. See, what's great about what's great right here is okay. Although venues are closing down and that section sucks, there's still there's still this like inner thread that binds everyone together in like the punk scene. And even though people start going their own ways, you. It kind of pulls people back in, and you'll see people yeah. again. Shows will happen, whether it be a band like us that you know hasn't played for a certain amount of time. Then we get back together and do a reunion or whatever. <clears throat> that started getting people back in to the punk rock thing. But I think it's always been there. There's always something going on where it's like, hey, you know, check this out. And you see these people that you haven't seen for a couple years. Yeah. So that's part of I think what keeps me here, which is weird because I fucking hate the weather. <laughs> it's, and the older I get, the worse it, it is. But um, I don't know what else. I mean, well, like like what you were saying. Um, you know, the older we get, the the, the more sheltered um, we become, and less likely we are to go out. But if you know, and uh, I'm sure you can catch up with people on whatever social media platform. But when friends of yours either get their old band back together, or you see they're playing in a new band, it's like shit. I haven't seen so and so in a couple of years. Be good to check out his band and, and, and catch up with them. So it it it's. Uh, at least for me, it's more of a social thing yeah. than it is 
in a lot of respects, it's even more even more than listening to music. It's just a chance to see people that I don't get to see all that often. And I don't know. I've always felt like that going to shows and, and hanging out in Chicago. And I don't know. I guess the, there's no guarantee that I could find that if I moved to, uh, you know, if I moved to Denver, if I moved yeah. to Seattle, if I moved to wherever. Uh, you know, as, as, as corny as it is to say, the, the people that you uh, became ingratiated with, you know, even 15, 20 years ago, some of those people, not this guy, but some of those people <laughs> are, you know, my best friends. And the idea that I, I'm not, you know half hour 45 minute drive is kind of weird you know to go see him so I got that that works yeah. speaking of you guys and friendships how close are you guys still these days you guys seem to be pretty close how often do you see each other this guy right away he's shaking his head no, yeah, no, of course, no right. I think actually there was there were some rough points we had but I think we're definitely <laughs> a lot closer now yeah. we're both older we're more mature we understand that okay we're two totally different people yeah. and we're gonna get pissed at each other at certain times but I think we understand each other better at this point we, we both have kids um, <laughs> that I had a kid I, I had my son when I was you know relatively young I was 22 going on 23 and uh, that was you know that was the prime, you know quote-unquote prime of the band at least back then like you know we're on an upward trajectory and all of a sudden uh, I, I knocked the girl I'm dating up and uh, I tell the guys like Hey, I know we had all this, you know, we just started working with Fat Records, and I know we had all this touring we had planned to do, but I'm going to be a dad, so let's think about that a little bit. And that's, that's enough to, to bum them, you know, to yeah. bum somebody out, as, as stoked as maybe they wanted to be. Um, it was probably a, a, a tough pill to swallow, more or less, but, you know, uh, as years gone on, uh, Dan got pregnant and had uh, a special baby. No, uh, no, the the girl I'm with, has, she's got kids. So. Right. And again, I've been with her for 11 years, so I've seen her kids grow up from seven and ten, and now they're like 18 and 21. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of kind of crazy, but you but realize you know, there's a there's a whole other faction of life that yeah. you know when you're in a punk rock band and you're living at home and you're sleeping on people's floors, you don't give a shit about. Right. You know. Right. So I think I I, I definitely think. Uh, age has mellowed me out, more or less, um, and I think I didn't have the tools to. I just wasn't a very mature person, even even at like 23, 24, I was probably thirty two, thirty four. Don't yeah. be an asshole. I'm trying to give you a compliment. Uh, <laughs> I don't need any. <laughs> no, I just I I I struggled. I I I was a young dad who didn't want to necessarily be a young dad. I wanted right. to be I wanted to be a dad, but I still wanted to do my thing and. Uh, eventually it, it took its toll and rather than you know talk things out like a responsible adult I didn't and then <laughs> a couple blow ups later we had you know two different breakups so oops yeah, <laughs> oops. yeah. <laughs> that's great yeah. that sums it up oops. pretty much it, it, that comes from somebody who uh, has mellowed with age as well yeah. there's definitely the oops yep. did yeah. I do that yeah. sorry Right. <laughs> there's not as many apologies, but sometimes there's like a couple weeks later, it's like, do you remember the other night at the bar when you did this? What did I do? <laughs> you told me I'd be better off with you than my boyfriend. Oops. Oh, I was just fucking kidding with that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so you guys are back together as much yep. as you can be, being yep. pretty much dad. I mean, dad. Yeah, you're Yeah, dad. I'm kind of, yeah. You're, you're, you're the coolest stepdad in the world, I'm the, sure. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so like, it, when your 19-year-old daughter is like, can you introduce me to this band? You're like, 
Yep. <laughs> I'm like, no, you can't hang out with band guys. No. I know how bad we are. <laughs> Good God. Um, but what is it like when you guys get back together in a room and like practice and play? Do you guys feel 19 again or 23? No. I, you know what? I, for me, yes. Yeah, I do, and it's awesome. I really, there's just some high I get about it that I love. Um, obviously, once I start moving around, then yeah, it's like, wait, you're not 29 right. or whatever, 28. Right. Uh, yeah, but I, I love it. I love creating music and, you know, just hanging out with these guys and playing it all at the same time. There's something that's just awesome about it. I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, no, you I'm going to be honest. Go ahead. Uh, the preparation that leads up to a practice or leads up to a recording or leads up to a show, I hate. And when I say hate, I I hate the idea that I've got to get in my car in a sub-zero temperature <laughs> and drive 25 minutes to go to practice. Once I'm at practice, I it's nowhere else I'd rather be. But the idea that I've got to, you know, <laughs> I've got to work to get someplace, I hate that. It's the same thing with recording. It'd be like, all right, I know I'm not 100% satisfied with what I wrote down. Am I going to want to record this stuff? Am I going to want to change it? Am I going to want to change it right in the middle of recording? But that's why we're doing pre-production. Yes. <laughs> this time around, we're, we're doing things a little smarter. But it, 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 the getting to those points and, uh, is still a struggle for me. But once I'm there, uh, I love playing shows. I, I, uh, I sometimes don't like to, to the work that's put into preparing for those shows Dude, you got it and i mean no offense to you but you know i the amount of work i put in to get stuff because it's not like we're some huge band where we've got this guy working first and this, oh no we're doing everything we, ourselves we've got to do a ton by ourselves yeah. and uh we still don't have any as much as that's gratifying at times i love handling a ton of that but sometimes you're just like oh my god when does it end yeah like even coming here someone's like can you can you do like a short video like a little and i'm like okay yeah i'll do it i'll do it and i'm like when am i gonna have the time to do this but, <laughs> Well, and, and thanks again for 40, you drove 40? Oh, yeah, no, this isn't a big, I don't mean to make it sound like that. No, no, this no, is great. But still, like. And like I said, I called my mom. I'm like, Mom, I got an interview. <laughs> yeah. She thinks it's a You care now. Yeah. Okay, so you guys are back together. And, and again, I saw you guys in Denver for the first time ever. Oh, wow. Because you, uh, you guys had broken up before I'd moved to Denver okay. and I was still in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana, missing out on things. Anyway, um, and that crowd was just so huge. Like, I, awesome. I, and I was surprised at how great that crowd was. Um, uh, so were we. Yeah, well, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, we well, talked about we it a little about, bit. We, we talked about, you're always, when, you, when you're hitting a city that you haven't played in 15, almost 20 years, you can't assume that this. You'd be stupid to assume that the same people that saw you 15 years ago are going to come to your show, right? Because they're as old as we are, or around that age. Or if you haven't had an L Mountain, God knows how long. Right. You're going to have new people coming out. Yeah, exactly. You don't. But we don't. We don't think about that stuff. We just think, okay. Uh, leading up to it, it's like, all right, um, you know, the guys behind Punk Rock Bowling, guys behind Rifest, they, they have enough faith that you know, you know, they were fans of us, so. You know, people be stupid not to want to watch these guys, and then we get there, we, we start setting up on stage, and you start looking, like, oh shit, there's a lot of people. Here. Yeah, this is uh, this is yeah. all right. And and is it that way at every show that you guys have done recently? Um, um you know what? It's been overall pretty good, but yeah. it's like we've played 
Okay, like a smaller place, like Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. There's not a ton of people there, and we, we went up there, we're like, fuck it, it's close, it's, it'll be easy for us like to do. It's a three-hour drive. Yeah. Um, kind of, but, and there were a decent amount of people there, but yeah, it's not the same as like, you know, playing hometown or, or a big festival. So right. there's still variants, and again, because we haven't been playing that much, I mean, what did we play last year? We played, I think, 14 shows total. Um, which is still great, but it's not a ton. Yeah. So every every time we play, we kind of, you know, we see how many people are there, and it's a good, like I wonder Florida. I don't know how Florida's going to be. When we used to play Florida back in 98, 99, it was always, like, amazing. Oh, yeah, every every show. That's, that <laughs> that kind of scares me, to be honest. Yeah, cause, yeah. Because we, we always knew going to Florida we were going to play a good show, play good shows, yeah. you know, meaning there was going to be a lot of people there. Um, but we can't be that confident. Yeah, we the the proof will be once we once we get to these places, are are people going? Yeah, and and why Florida? Why are you, you guys headed down there? And you guys are headed down there with my buddies and all out helter. Oh yeah, that's I right. Heard about they're they're uh, Denver band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I heard one of their tunes. They, they actually sound really good. They remind yeah. me of like, do like they s- older hardcore, but still do, punk rock. Yeah. I don't know, yelly stuff. I love it. Do they sound like? Um, um, damn it! I was I had a stupid band on the top of my head. Do they sound like the Get Up Kids? No. Okay. Um, but okay, why Florida? You asked. Yeah, why you Florida? know what? For yeah, us, right sound now, like Southern California or something. Well, <laughs> be more we're, uh, okay. we're, we're trying to we're put that together. For there you go. Okay. okay. California. Yeah. So normally, when a band has, a, let's say, a booking agent, a booking agent goes and submits to all these different places and says, "Hey, you know, this is what I got. You want to take this or this or this?" And we don't have a booking agent, so we kind of do it on our on our own. Me and Dennis handle most of that. Yeah. So. We were just kind of thinking, okay, what would be easy to get to? Where do you think we'd make enough money to fly and be able to... Because we don't have enough time to drive at this point. That's what sucks. We have jobs and um, we can do weekends. And it's one thing to take a day off here and there on a Thursday or a Friday. But and to make spend that entire day driving. Yeah, we, we can't do that. Yeah, so, so that's kind of part of it. And we got an offer... Um, actually, I was talking to Bird Attack Records from uh, Garrett from Bird Attack Records, and he's like, "I think I could get you guys out here. I think it'd be great." And I, w- I was talking with him at Pooza Fest when we played in Montreal last year. Last year, I mean, so it's and, been. And you guys did an interview that I watched today. Oh yeah, there you go. And so he's like, "Would you want to come out?" I'm like, "Yeah, that'd be great." But again, me talking to the band, do we have time? Well, not yet. Let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. And right. finally, comes together like, "Yeah, we can do this. Let's do it." Yeah. So um. Yeah, so we it's it's hard for us to choose places because the other thing is also being able to most people most venues aren't going to fly us out for one show. Right, they're, they're, the cost they're not going to be able to cover it. And unfortunately, that's what sucks is we have to think about money. Which in our twenties it was awesome because we just played punk rock and didn't care, didn't make money. You made money does didn't matter. Now it's like okay, if we want to continue doing this, we have to pay our bills. We don't have enough money to actually put out on our own. Um, but it's been it's been good. So. Yeah, Southern California might be might be on the horizon. We're working on that. Yeah, it's just right right now. It's a matter of and, and Dan touched upon this uh, touched upon this uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, coming back with no new material, we're we're at a I don't want to say a disadvantage, but we're not as maybe as enticing to promoters out there because it's like oh okay well what's stopping you guys from just being some oldies act like what yeah. what 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 spin can you put on that and you know for these shows no we, yeah we, well, obviously we're playing new songs now but yeah. you know when we first reactivated the band and started playing shows it's like no we're just getting out there to get out there and, and hopefully play to people that, that uh, never got a chance to see us like you and, like me. and, yeah. and other yeah. people but 
Well, but then it gets to a point too where, you know, we've been active now for what the better part of two years. Well, if you count the first reunion in '09, I mean. No, we don't count that. You don't 13. count that. <laughs> no, we had, we had a year. Yeah, that's true. We had right. a year off. Yeah, so thir- yeah, so maybe yeah, more than two years. Yeah, but you know, the 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 shine of a new reunited band that, that starts to wear off, and you've got to figure out what are you going to do to, you know, either. Re, re-spoof it up or, 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 or what and we figured the best way to do that is to start writing new music yeah and it was it was it was sketchy a couple of years ago because I think we we kind of all went into it I'll, I'll, I'll say I went into it kind of half-hearted like you know my 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 um, uh, my guiding poster for lack of a better word guiding post is I don't want to sound like Jane, I don't want to do a Jane's Addiction and put out a shitty shitty reunion record or a Pixies and put out a shitty reunion yeah. record. I want to, you know, I want to do what like Mission of Burma did or, or um, you know, bands like that. Naked Reagan, where they can come back and they're going to put out quality music. You can still have people that say, well, you know, it's not as fast as it was, you know, 25 years ago, but... But you're not 25 anymore. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, we're hoping, you know, with some new music under our, under our belt that... Uh, um, the offers to, to to come out and do stuff will be uh, will happen more and more. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. So, what is it like to write together again after all that that time? Because you guys were in some different bands. Yeah. One band yeah. together again. Uh, zero to sixty. That was short. Yeah. Very short. <laughs> but like coming back together and be like, all right, eighty-eight fingers is back. Like. You know, it's you know, other than the cold and the practice and all that stuff. <laughs> all the yeah. stuff you want to complain about. All the whiny stuff, yeah. Um, well, again, because we kind of did this half-ass attempt to write new music back in 2009, the idea of co- going to the table or going to the practice and start, you know, for lack of a better word, jamming on new music, that was da- it was daunting to me because I was like, okay, I'm not a guy that's. I still don't like confrontation. What if, <laughs> what if, what if a song's given to me that just I can't get into at all? Am I gonna have? Uh, am I gonna be, you know, brave enough to be like, guys, I'm sorry, this isn't something I'm into. Um, and I haven't had to do that. As, as a matter of fact, because I write good Dan, songs. Oh, God, sorry. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> You're ruining this interview. Uh, Thankfully, it's a chat. So I do best. <laughs> thankfully, I ruin chats as well. It's great. Thankfully, Dan and, and, and uh, actually our drummer John has uh, um, stepped up and, and has, has brought a lot of cool ideas um, to us too. Um, one thing Dan uh, actually taught me 23 years later, uh, after you know, first my first band was '88, so 23 years later, um, I'm still learning from this asshole, and he, you know. Lyrics to me have always been reactionary. I'll hear the music that these guys write, and then I'll work lyrics around that. But I, I, with very few exceptions, back in the day, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have an idea in mind of what I wanted to write about. I would just start writing, and whatever I thought made sense, I would, you know, cut and paste or you know, switch some words around, and then I would turn that into a song. Whereas now it's like, no, come up with an idea. Pick something either that makes you happy, that makes you sad, that, you know, whatever. Pick, pick a topic and write around that, And which sounds crazy, you know, 23 years later. <laughs> but I've done that now with the handful of songs that we have, and it's like, oh, shit. Not only, not only are the ideas coming quicker, but 
I feel like I'm taking more time with them and they actually make I'm very critical of the stuff I write so yeah. uh, I feel like you know they actually make a hell of a lot more sense than they did way back then because back then I was just concerned with what was going to rhyme you know <laughs> how, how many yeah. references to you know love and girls are going to put in a song and how do I figure out how you to rhyme that. around that too good though <laughs> it was yeah. fitting it was alright <laughs> well I think that's the other thing for me musically obviously because we've been in other bands I've been continuously writing but what's cool recently is I've realized we've I've obviously I'm, I'm a better musician than I was you know 10 20 yeah. years ago and I don't know the writing just seems to still flow at certain times I have these moments where I'm like I write like three songs in a row and then I don't write anything for like a month um, and the other awesome thing like we were talking about John when John joined the band back in 98 19. he was he was 19 he was a drummer and that was it he knew how to hit the drums yeah. that was it and he yeah. did re- he did it really well at that time well now he's a music teacher so he's learned oh, theory wow. and all this stuff so when I write something and I show it to the band and they're like hey this is cool and John's like hey what if what if you what if you went to the the you know the diminished third on the diminished seventh on that one or whatever I, and again I know a little bit of theory but not a ton but he's he's got like some really cool ideas and it's like oh this is good I've never thought of it this way I, so I don't know if I ever brought this up at rehearsal but but uh, how how John approaches a song now compared to what it was like yeah way back then could you imagine him and one of my favorite people that we've ever worked with one of my favorite people on this earth is Master Genie ahead of uh, Seneca Iguana yeah. Studios. And he was kind of a theory dude. Yeah, he knew shit. Could you yeah. could you imagine John? Could you imagine John and him getting in a conversation about music? Yeah, I don't it know. It would be that crazy. I mean, it would be. He's. It'd be crazy. I would love to be a fly in a wall. Yeah, it'd be cool. Having that kind of <laughs> having that kind of conversation because Mass is like that. When we first started, you know, it was one of the first recording sessions we had, and he would he wouldn't talk in like diminished thirds or something like that. But <laughs> some of the things he would say would be like, okay, this is coming from a guy who. He knows who, the shit. Who walks the walk and talks the talk, and um, it's 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 neat seeing that with John too, because yeah, nineteen year old kid. Had he he hadn't graduated high school yet. Oh, had he just no, graduated I think he was graduate. He graduated right at nineteen. He flunked out of high school. Didn't no, he, he didn't. Oh, no, I, I wonder. Was he nineteen or was he seventeen? That's what I'm wondering. I think he might have been nineteen. I don't remember. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, it was. Let's call him cool up. Stuff. <laughs> he was nineteen. It was because I remember. All right, buddies. Let's stop right there for a moment. Uh, that's a good 50 minutes of chatting with Dennis and Dan. Um, come back next week. I'll have the new episode up on Monday, February 29th. Uh, we'll continue our chat with Dennis and Dan at Simon's in Chicago. The place is really funky, cool, and fresh. I don't know what I mean by that, but I had a really good time hanging out and chatting with those guys. I really can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of their stories. I it, it, it takes less of a question and answer and more of just, again, I, I hate to call these interviews because it's just me and dudes hanging out, drinking beers, and having a good time. Um, I always say in these podcasts, anybody can do it. You just got to grab a microphone and uh, and do it, buddies. And hopefully you hear that if me, this idiot, can do it, you can do this kind of stuff too, and you can have fun, and you can meet your heroes. I've gotten to meet a lot of my heroes, and I'm super stoked for that. So, uh, once again, visit our sponsors at dinkdenver.com and find out more information about the upcoming uh, Independent Comic and Arts Expo coming to Denver on March 25th and 26th. I'll be hosting some panels, run around. I, I'll have a table. More information about that on mostharmlesspodcast.com. Uh, thanks to our buddies at Ratio 
Beer Works. Uh, we've got a ton of cool stuff coming through Ratio Beer Works uh, with our ratio sessions. We just hosted one with Meat Wave. Um, we've also done stuff with Small Brown Bike and the Menzingers we have coming up. Uh, Teenage Bottle Rocket and Intuit over it, not to mention Laura Stevenson and some other stuff I can't really quite mention yet. So visit uh, RatioBeerWorks.com and MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com for more information on that. And buddies, we let's uh, let's go ahead and end this episode with another track from uh, Tomorrow Starts the Day. Probably my favorite 88 Fingers Louie record. Probably because I was like 18 when this record came out. So it's really, you know, it, it's for me one of the more important records in my record collection. And so it was really easy for me to choose these songs to be a part of this episode. I don't know what we're going to choose for next week's episode. I guess we'll have to we'll figure something out, buddies. But uh, let's go ahead and listen to another one of my all-time favorite 1990s skate punk songs. This is 100 Proof off Back on the Streets by motherfucking 88 Fingers Louie, y'all. Let's take a listen. We'll see you in the funny pages. You take care now. We'll see you next week.